Welcome to Piano Rhapsody, an amateur's guide to classical piano. This is a podcast where you follow the journey of an amateur piano player, striving to become good enough to play advanced level pieces like George Gershwin's Rhapsody in Blue, which is where the podcast gets its name. But Rome wasn't built in a day. So along the road every week, we break down one of the pieces that I encounter along the way. The piece in question could span anywhere from the Baroque period all the way up to modern day. We'll explore the history surrounding the work and examine the music within. And hopefully we all walk away a little more informed and appreciative of classical music. Then we can build on this foundation so that we can tackle more difficult works in the future. This is episode 11.4, the fourth and final episode in a special series celebrating the different forms of popular media where we hear classical piano music today. We've spent the past three weeks listening to selections from film and television, but today we're going to turn our attention to a medium that may be a bit unfamiliar to some of you, the video game. And before you scoff and hit stop, let me play this for you. So I am willing to bet that every single one of you out there recognizes that theme from the original Super Mario Brothers on the original Nintendo. And like it or not, video game music has penetrated the zeitgeist and become ingrained in our culture. And while it may have launched with basic little one-line themes like the one from Mario that we just listened to, video game music has since matured into a true artistic pedestal for modern classical music. Some of the first video games with music are arcade games like Pac-Man and Space Invaders that had highly repetitive looped themes. And it sounds like their main goal was just to enhance your anxiety as you were about to be hit by a ghost or get blasted by an alien. If video games failed to evolve from these humble origins, we definitely would not be talking about them on this podcast today. Luckily for us, the 80s happened, bringing with them a mountain of quality films, music, clothing, cocaine, and another cultural phenomenon known as the Nintendo Entertainment System, revolutionizing the video game experience in your very own home. The original Nintendo contains some of the most highly regarded classic games of some of the most popular franchises in video game history, including the original Super Mario Bros., Legend of Zelda, and Final Fantasy. The Nintendo hardware allowed for more complex music, expanding the typical video game theme to a melody line, a bass line, and even some percussion. And this is the point where, in my opinion, video game music really started to take root. A man named Koji Kondo was essentially one of the grandfathers of the art of video game music, 
as he not only composed the iconic theme we just heard from Super Mario Bros., but also composed the Legend of Zelda theme. Two of the most influential and most recognizable pieces of video game music of all time. Then, in the early 90s, we leveled up and reached the Super Nintendo era. From now on, music in video games relied on sampling of actual instruments, which opened the doors to video game music, allowing for simulations of entire orchestras. The games that tended to take most advantage of these new sonic capabilities were the Japanese role-playing games, often telling grand, epic adventure stories filled with fantastical elements and casts of rich, diverse characters. Two of the highlights from this era were the scores from Chrono Trigger and Final Fantasy III, two games that are often found on lists of the best video games of all time. Here's a quick clip from Dancing Mad, the epic 17-minute track representing the grand villain of Final Fantasy III. And if you thought the move from Nintendo to Super Nintendo was a big step forward, the move from Super Nintendo to N64 on PlayStation in the mid-90s was a super step forward. At this point, video game consoles could also function as CD players, so now they can read pre-recorded audio tracks. The video game world opened up to hosting tracks of music performed by actual live orchestras, which really put them in the same boat as film and television. The quick evolution of video game music was really complete at this point. In the span of roughly 20 years, give or take, we went from cute little one-line themes to full-on orchestral recordings. And that brings us to the piece that we are going to discuss in today's episode. We're going to look at a track from one of the biggest games of the original PlayStation era, Nobuo Uematsu's soundtrack to Final Fantasy VII. Nobuo Uematsu has often been called the John Williams of video game music. He has composed the music for nearly all of the games in the main Final Fantasy series, which if you disregard the side projects and sequels, adds up to 15 at the time of this episode. And these games are widely considered the gold standard for modern video game music. In fact, and some of you will find this surprising to learn, but there are actual symphonic tours of selections from Final Fantasy soundtracks, which are basically concerts of Nobuo Uematsu's work. Uematsu is a self-trained piano player at heart, and he cites Elton John, Tchaikovsky, The Beatles, Simon and Garfunkel, and Pink Floyd among his musical influences. His scores for Final Fantasy games span a diverse palette from classical influence to gothic choirs to progressive rock, to jazz, to new age, to techno. You know, it kind of sounds like my playlist on shuffle. Okay, maybe not so much the new age, but you know, 
I'll admit, I never really gave Yanni a fair shake. If you've never played a Final Fantasy game before, they fall under the Japanese role-playing game category that I mentioned previously. They all share common themes, a fantasy world that is threatened by a corrupt evil figure or an empire, and a team of unlikely warriors who band together to put a stop to said evil. Sometimes it can involve time travel, it usually involves some kind of romance, a significant character will probably die, and somewhere there will be a population of cute little creatures called moogles that look like flying white teddy bears. The Final Fantasy series has also been lauded for being a consistent example of strong, complex female characters in video games. Even early games in the series have included female protagonists that stand up fighting right next to the guys and have their own stories to tell, and even ones that don't include romance. One of these said female characters is Tifa Lockhart from Final Fantasy VII, and today we're going to focus on her theme song. Trying to sum up the story of Final Fantasy VII is a difficult endeavor and not really the focus of this podcast, but the main idea is that an evil corporation is trying to sap the life force of the planet for energy, which is threatening to destroy the planet. You know, the environmental metaphor is not exactly subtle here. A group of activists called Avalanche band together to fight the corporation, and a complex web of storylines begins to weave. Tifa is one of these activists. She's a skilled fighter at hand-to-hand combat, and she slings drinks at the local bar at night. Her hometown was destroyed by the villain of the story, so she has an element of vengeance that fuels her character. But she's also pretty even-keel and down-to-earth. She's kind of the ultimate girl next door, or the one that got away. She was childhood friends with the game's protagonist, and serves as his confidant. The main character of the game is a former soldier who suffers from psychological trauma, which makes him an unreliable narrator throughout the game, but he relies on Tifa to provide him a stable foundation. She embodies the maternal, safe figure that grounds him when the situation gets bad. She's his sense of home. She also has a piano in her room, and her theme music reflects that fact. Now, it may not be the most popular selection from the game, as it's often overshadowed by the epic final battle music, or the sentimental piece played during a beloved character's death scene, but it's a theme that perfectly fits Tifa's character. This is a melancholic piano ballad that emanates a serene, comforting feeling. The piece is written in F major, and relies heavily on its tonic chord to provide that sense of home which fits her character nicely, because she serves as the emotional grounding for the protagonist. The piece opens with delicate chords that give off a bit of a music box vibe. Then the melody kicks in, and it's a beautifully constructed one. Mm-hmm. 
It doesn't rely on popular intervals, like thirds or fifths or octaves, but it's built upon the interval of a sixth, which is slightly uncommon. It sounds just fine to our ear, but it's just not commonly used. Here's a major sixth, starting at middle C. The best, most well-known example of this is to think of that old folk song, My Bonnie Lies Over the Ocean. Tifa's theme utilizes this uncommon interval to fitting effect, providing a beautiful yet unconventional melody. You'll hear examples of this interval pop up throughout the theme. I'll highlight a couple examples right here. Considering Tifa is not the main character of the story, nor is she one of the flashier characters in the tale. The fact that her theme is based on a structure like this suits her very well. But the theme isn't entirely serene and even keel. There is one point where it modulates to a different key, building to an emotional climax. But true to her character, this outburst doesn't last for long, and the theme soon resolves back to its serene, safe melody line in the home key. Which leads us to that one place we've been missing, even though we were only gone for a short little while. And that is a final trip back to the home chord of F major, which closes out the theme. So let's listen to Tifa's theme in its entirety by Nobuo Uematsu for the soundtrack of the video game Final Fantasy 7.
You know, even if you're not a fan of video games, I think we can all agree that video game music has come a long way since Pac-Man. So that concludes our sojourn into the modern musical era for now. Next week, we're going to jump back into something a little more standard for this podcast and look at a set of works by Edvard Grieg called The Lyric Pieces. You can find the standalone recording of the piece we discussed today directly in the podcast feed. Check out Piano Rhapsody on SoundCloud for all of the tracks from this podcast and more. You could find me on Twitter at Piano Rhapsody or email me at pianorhapsodypodcast at gmail.com. If you've still yet to do so, please hit the subscribe button on your podcatcher and consider rating and reviewing. It's the easiest way to never miss a new episode and it helps the podcast gain more visibility. Thanks as always for your time and your ears. I'll talk to you in a week.